Welcome to Family Tech Talk, the show that helps you be the tech expert of your home. From interviews with lifestyle experts on how they use technology to tech tips and the latest news. No matter what your skill level is with Family Tech Talk, you can be the person all your friends and family go to for tech advice. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello and welcome to Family Tech, where you get to be the tech expert of your home. I'm excited because my friend recently fell for an Instagram scam. And, you know, I feel like I've taught my friends pretty well and still it happens. And it was funny because it was two of my friends, like in the same week, it was the same exact scam. It ran rampant through like my neighborhood and friends group. And so I did a reel about the the scams, um, the, the Instagram scam. And it went super viral. There's like 250, almost 300,000 views on, on that reel. And I'm like, you know who I need to talk to about online scams? And that is my friend, the secure dad. And so Andy, tell us about yourself. I know you've already been on my podcast once before. Mm -hmm. So um, we were mainly talking about DIY home security at that point. Uh, but this one is a really great topic for us to cover as well. So tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you've got going on. Sure. So um, I always like talking with you, Sarah, because I always appreciate your perspective. You're just like me. You want to help families to feel empowered to take care of themselves. And I think that is awesome. So it's good to be sitting down and talking with you uh, again today about all that. By the way, Sarah has been on my show at least twice. Yeah. Uh, she's been on the Secure Dad podcast. So my name is Andy Murphy, and I created the Secure Dad back in 2016. Uh, and I try to help families live safer, happier lives at home, in public, and online. I really started out doing home security stuff. And then I started realizing how much of our online digital life really does affect what we do in real life. And so I've kind of branched out into that area. And so I started looking for experts. Who can I listen to? Who can I learn from? And Sarah from Family Tech is one of the people that I like to learn from. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and I like to learn. She's he, she. <laughs> Andy's got a ton of resources on his website. So definitely go check out uh, thesecuredad.com. Um just some like downloads and uh, really awesome guides. So definitely check all of that out. But um, let's get into the kind of the meat of what we're wanting to talk about today. And that is online scams. Uh, so what are some of the most popular scams that you like, and especially recently are seeing people fall for frequently? <laughs> So um, the thing with scams, no matter what format they are, whether it's an email, it's a text, it's digital, or it's a, you know somebody calls you on the phone, you get a letter in the mail, it is all simply just breaks down to somebody wants to take something from you. They're going to try to manipulate you the best way that they can in order to get that. So a lot of people think about the technology behind these things and think, oh, it's terrible. Oh, there's these AI voice scams that are going around telling people that my child has been kidnapped. That, that's, that rarely happens. So just <laughs> take the technology out of it and just understand that there is a person somewhere that wants something from you and take the technology out. And it's so much easier for people to understand. They feel more empowered to defend themselves. So don't worry about the technology. Don't worry about that sort of thing. Worry about what kind of information am I going to be giving away? Like your your viral uh, reel about the, the scam that was going around on Instagram. Honestly, 
I don't see a whole lot of scams happening on Instagram. So I think that's one of the things that made that one so unique. That one worked so well was because it was running around on a platform that that sort of thing isn't rampant because it's very hard to, you can't really click links inside of Instagram anyway, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Easily done on Twitter and Facebook. So Instagram was kind of insulated from that sort of stuff, in my opinion. But really, I think the, the scams that are going to get people the most are the ones that are really curated for them and seem possible. Those are yeah. the ones that really you got you to gotta worry about. Yeah. And that's actually what was so unique about this particular scam on Instagram it comes from a friend of yours generally because mm -hmm. they're the ones that got hacked first. Um, and then it's not asking you to click a link. It's asking you to like copy something and like give them information. And like you said, you know, what kind of information are they trying to get from you? Uh, and in this one, you know, cause you're not clicking. I think that really puts you kind of at ease. Yes. Yes. Instead, like, cause you know, people are, are know that, you know, okay, you shouldn't click links, you know, from unsolicited sources, but you know, this one is like, it's not even asking you to click a link. It's mm -hmm. just having you copy some information. And so I think that's one thing that like really helps perpetuate this one that, you know, it's just so outside of the norm of what you're like expecting to see. Um, and especially there's been iterations of this scam that since, and it's like, Hey, vote for me on this like thing, which se seems even more plausible, you know, right. people are signing up for contests all the time. So this like vote for me, you want to help out your friend. Um, and so kind of crazy. Um, are there any other like popular scams you've kind of seen around like, you know, via email or Facebook? You know what? One of the things that I like to talk about, um, do you remember the Nigerian Prince scam oh, from oh, like 20 years ago? Yes. That one actually worked really well, almost seemingly unbelievably. <laughs> that one worked really well because, uh, again, it was like one of the first of its kind. Right. But um, so... I always kind of remind people of that one. The, the, for, for those of you who, who gosh, may not have been alive when uh, that <laughs> happened, um, you would get a random email from this guy with a very Nigerian name. And he says, hey, I'm coming to the United States. Um, I need to move money. But because our government's, you know, won't allow that. Corrupt. Can I? Yeah, yeah it's corrupt. And I heard that you were a good person. And a <laughs> friend you. of yours gave me your email address. If you will email me your bank account and routing number, I will deposit my money into your account. And when I come to the United States, I will let you have $10,000 of it. Awesome. I'm so right. on board. Who wouldn't do that, right? <laughs> Most people don't know where Nigeria is on the map, the people who got this email. And so it's like, why would anybody fall for that? But they did yeah. because it, it was just charmingly written. It's like, oh, you're a good person, that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. I kind of use that as my template and I look for, okay, does anything that we're doing today here in 2023 look like that Nigerian Prince email thing from 20 some odd years ago. And that's kind of a good judge to understand of, is this legit or is it not? Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite games to play every Tuesday I do. And is it legit on my, uh, on my mm -hmm. platforms? And um, sometimes they're really hard to spot. Um, so like we know the flattery is one thing. Mm -hmm. What about some of these scams that make them like particularly easy to fall for? Sure. A lot of it just seems like it's mundane stuff. Um, it's going to be, 
oh, you know, click this link to vote for me for whatever, like HOA president or, or right. whatever it is. Or it's going to be, hey, please leave a review for this product on Amazon. You probably just ordered a ton of stuff from Amazon because it was Prime Day. Right. And so you're thinking, oh, sure. Yeah, I'd probably need to send some vendor some love. You know, here's a five star rating for the, you know, those socks that I ordered, that sort of thing. And you don't look at it too much and you just mm -hmm. think, oh, of course, I'm going to get this type of email. Of course, this thing is going to happen. Yeah. So you don't even you just kind of go into autopilot and you're just going to automatically click on that link or you're going to call the phone number that somebody sends you, that sort of thing. So it's really the stuff that seems mundane. The best way that these people really engineer you to get you to do what they want you to do is to make it seem like it's absolutely normal. It's absolutely mm -hmm. ordinary what's coming. Same. It's kind of the same principle when somebody comes and knocks on the door of your house and they pretend to be the Amazon delivery driver. They mm -hmm. want to look just enough like the real thing to get you to open the door so they can rush into your home and rob you, that sort of thing. So you're just looking for the things that say, okay, this does seem mundane, but let me the, just let me think about this critically for just a second. Why am I getting this email? What's really going on here? Did I actually order something from Amazon in this link that I should be giving you know a review for? Those sorts of things. Just question what question why you're getting these things and what somebody may want from you. Yeah, like that's a good point with the like Amazon stuff. You know, almost all of us are ordering stuff on Amazon. So, you know, an email that says about your recent Amazon order. Well, yeah, yep. I probably had a recent Amazon I have order. 15, yeah. you know, recent Amazon orders. Yes, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So I would be expecting an email like that. Um, the other thing I usually talk about is um, how it makes you feel like if it's something that like gets your heart racing and makes you want to react without thinking, yes. that might be something to look out for as well. Because, you know, you get these invoice scams where they email you and they're like, thanks for your purchase of like a thousand dollar you know, item. And you're like, I, I didn't buy something for a thousand dollars. And, you know, it makes you want to like react right away because you're like, uh, you know, I don't want my bank account to be drained of like a thousand dollars. What's going on here? Uh, right. Yeah. But the, um, your, your brain's amygdala kind of gets hijacked when things like that happen and you don't think straight. Yeah. I actually witnessed someone, uh, in the middle of a gift card scam. I just happened to be at the local, um, pharmacy down the road and there was this <sighs> older lady on the phone she's talking on the phone and you know how when people talk on the phone and they repeat what the person is saying because they don't understand what's going on she yeah. just kept repeating you want me to do what now what kind of card am i looking for she tried to like get people to help her find this particular type of gift card that they wanted i'm watching all of this and thinking like okay this is very clearly a gift card scam that's happening yeah. but whatever that scammer told her had put a reasonably thinking person into a corner that they could only comply with what was going on. And a lot of people will say, oh, how could you be so stupid? How could you do that? If they craft a good enough story and they scare you enough, you will be surprised at what you will do just to try to get this experience to end. Unfortunately, with this lady, she ended up purchasing the gift cards, even though people in the store intervened. I actually intervened. I admit I didn't do the best job of trying to talk to her. Um, but she left, I think she purchased like $500 in gift cards for something and, and walked out the door with it. Oh, that and, um, my heart. <laughs> I know, I know. And we're all standing there, me and the people in the store and the, and the folks in the store were just like, we, we can't do anything else. 
because they had actually gotten a memo about this sort of thing happening and how to spot it, which was wonderful. But it was like, it was heartbreaking because it was, we were all trying, but Mm -hmm. she couldn't listen to us. Somehow that scammer had only gotten her to listen to them and nobody else was going to get through. Wow. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. That's so crazy. That actually is, I mean, it's very sad for her because she's Mm -hmm. definitely out that $500. Um, But it's encouraging to me to hear that um, places like, you know, maybe, um, you know, Walgreens or wherever Mm -hmm. are warned about these things and kind of warning signs like, hey, if they're buying gift cards, you know, maybe ask a few more questions. I think that's a really great Mm-hmm. thing for these like retailers to do, especially when these gift card scams are so prolific. Um, and you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with these like gift card scams, uh, they get an email, like a lot of times it'll come from like, if you're, uh, an employee of something, it'll come from your boss and it's like, Hey, mm-hmm. I need you to, uh, I, I'm writing from my personal email. I, I can't, like, you know, I can't come to the phone right now or whatever, but I need you to go buy some yep. gift cards for this like meeting I'm in, like, and I need it right now, you know, etc. And so you think you're talking to somebody you actually know, and you go and buy these gift cards and you send it on to these people. Uh, you you take a picture of like the card information. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you send you, it to them. And yeah. you, you brought up a very good point there. He's like, uh, I need this for a meeting that I'm in right now. So yeah. there's this sense of urgency that you mm-hmm. have to act right now because most people want to help. Most right. people want to do the right thing. They want to do the, the best thing for their boss, that sort of thing. So when you have like, oh, here's this person, I'm contacting you in a different way. We're on a short time frame. And if you don't do this, there's going to be a really big consequence. That's a great mixture to understand that that is a scam right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so those are really good warning signs. What other warning signs should people be looking for when they're determined? Sure. So I am pretty much skeptical of any email that I get that's going to come in that seems <laughs> unusual. Right. And I know it's like, oh, Andy, you're so paranoid. I'm like, well, really? Am I? Listen <laughs> am to these I stories we've just am been I? telling. <laughs> right. Am I really, though? Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty much like, okay, so my supposedly my financial institution has sent me an email or sent me a text. They sent me a text on the phone that says, Hey, we have detected, um, you know, maybe a fraudulent charge on your account. Please click this link so that we can uh, uh, get you talking to a customer service representative right away. And you're like, Oh my gosh, something's happened with my bank account. Of course I want to do this. So um, those are the sorts of texts. Like I know that my bank is not going to do that. I know that they're not going to text me and say that. Um, I might get an alert through my banking app. That I trust. But if I do get one of those alerts, I'm going to be like, hmm, I'm not going to go and trust the number that's been you know, texting me. I'm going to go look at the phone number on the back of my debit card. I'm going to call those people and say, hey, is there any shady activity going on? No, there's not. And so, you know, right away. Um, so what I would do is really work to verify what's going on. Some things are going to be scams right away. Um, and, and you're going to know, you just delete that email, you go on. But if you really think there's some credence to what's going on, don't click on any of those links. Don't reply back. Don't call the phone number that's in there. Call the numbers that you know. 
These are the numbers that are going to be on your debit card. They're going to be on any sort of like literature that came with whatever you bought, those sorts of things. Go through those normal channels and ask what's going on. I will say this. I had somebody um, close to me got a got confused about a charge that was on their bank account and Googled the phone number for their bank. And the the ad that came up in Google was uh, it was a trap. So it was just like, hey, here's customer service for hometownbank.com. And so he didn't even click on the link. It was just like, oh, here's the number. I'm just going to dial it and call. And, you know, that was a learning experience for me way back in 2016 that, you know, the the ads that are on Google searches can be fraudulent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, it just happened. I just saw a news article, um, some guy in an airport, there was something going on with his flight. So he Googled like, you know, Delta's phone number got Mm -hmm. a wrong, you know, Delta and like, was this close to giving them his credit card to book a new flight that was going to be like, you know, so much more money. But, and he was talking to the wrong number mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. exactly that you Googles the, um, you know, the support number and it goes to somebody who is not part of the company. Right. Um, and I was going to get into this kind of later in the episode, but like, I would love to just touch on it now because when I'm talking to my aging parents who aren't mm-hmm. as familiar with online scams, they call the the HP support number. HP support wants to like take over their computer and like install this stuff on their computer yep. Yep. and charge them $500 to fix their printer and everything. Like how can we really help like our parents and, you know, and even our kids who might be, you know, more susceptible to falling for these scams? Sure. I just had an absolutely great interview with Maria Christina Hayden of Outfoxum, and we talked about um, online security for the sandwich generation. You know, you uh, and I are in the exactly. sandwich generation. Yep, yeah, we're, we we're helping are. our kids and we we're helping our parents at the same time yep. because we're in this weird spot. Like our parents didn't grow up with the technology that we had. The mm-hmm. technology that we had when we were our kids age doesn't exist anymore. And it's just this weird place to be. So yeah. when talking with aging parents, just help them to understand that People, they're going to get targeted simply because of their age. It's absolutely not fair. Like my father-in-law probably gets 15 scam calls a week. I mean, and it's because he answers the phone. And of course you can right. tell just by the way he speaks that he he's, he's an older person. Yeah. And so, you know, Hey, that's great. This scammer is going to be like, Oh, Hey, this person matches the profile that we're looking for. And so they're going to keep that number. And then they're going to take their own little black book of numbers and they're going to sell it to another group of scammers and another group and another group and another group. So yeah. just talk to them about, Hey, there's this new scam that's going on. Usually I bring it up in, hey, did you see that new story about the poor lady in Idaho who just lost her life savings because of, you know, this, you know, has anybody ever called you and asked you that sort of thing before? And so you're not really saying like, hey, mom, hey, dad, have you done anything dumb lately? Because you don't want to be disrespectful, but it's like, say, hey, here's this piece of information that I got in a new story. Did you happen to see this as well? And that opens up a really good dialogue to be able to talk about scams and the latest things that are going on. Um, You can always forward those links to your parents as well. They'll let them read them at their own pace. So you don't have to have a conversation about it, but it's just (laughs) another way to like educate them on what's going on. 
Yeah. And that's actually a similar approach that I take, you know, to my kids too, when I see like, you know, an art, a news article about uh, a kid falling for like a sextortion scam yeah. or things like yeah. that, you know, and I say, Hey, you know, and it's not a, like an uncomfortable conversation where I'm trying to scare them about something. It's more like, Hey, this is what's going on. What can you do to like, make sure you don't fall for something like that? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really just having that conversation and not being afraid to have it. As a matter of fact, just before we got on, you'd be proud of me. I talked to my son about, um, you know, if you ever see something on YouTube that you don't like or makes you feel uncomfortable, come and talk to me about it. Say Love the it. same thing to your parents. You know, those yeah. are the kind of conversations that you have to have over and over again. You can't just have it once and say, oh, well, I did it. Check it off. Right. It has to be something that you continually talk. Cause like how many times have you talked to your kids about, you know, emptying the dishwasher right. or putting their bike away? You have to have those conversations over and over again. Right. So, you know, have them with your kids, have them with your parents. Uh, one of the things that I got from my conversation with Maria Christina was that kids and older parents will respond the same way when there's a problem. They may be very reluctant to talk to you about it because they're going to be afraid to lose their technology. Yeah. And I knew that kids would act that way, but it was really interesting to hear that, you know what, my adult parents would probably act the same way. So I was like, oh, that's very interesting. So just try to talk to both generations and say, hey, let's just have open conversations about what's going on, because at the end of the day, we're both on the same team. Right. We both want to enjoy the Internet. It's our family versus, you know, the digital world. And we're going to win this thing. So, you know, get them on the same page with you. Talk to them continually about it and share any sort of pertinent news that comes out. Yeah, that, great, great, great advice. Um, so what are some other good rules of thumb that can help you save you from yourself? <laughs> yeah, Um what I would do is, you know, I've always just been kind of a secretive person. So I assume that everybody just thinks like I do, which is <laughs> not right. Um, you know, actually most people don't think like I do, but um, just say to yourself, what information am I giving away here? Yeah. What, what's the bad thing that could happen? Play devil, play devil's advocate with yourself. You know, if I send, you know, this person, my email address, or if I send this person, my phone number, that sort of thing what could potentially happen here. So that's why I'm going to want to just really keep all of my information close to the vest. And I'm going to be the person who wants to make sure that I keep my stuff private. If I want to have a conversation, you know, like with you one-on-one and, you know, the parking lot at Target or whatever, that's great. But like anything that's going to be digital is going to, it's always going to be there. That yeah. email is always going to be there. That post is always going to be there, those sorts of things. So just understand the value of your personal information and why you really truly need to keep it private. Yeah, for sure. Um, and along with that, you know, uh, I've, I've talked in the past about um, personal information, like even when you're uh, sharing like on Facebook, you know, those mm -hmm. quizzes, uh, one of my favorite, uh, I, I think I've shared this one where it was like, has a bunch of like, you know, your favorite color, your blah, 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 blah. But like all the answers were yep. like, don't give away your yes, <laughs> password that was good information. Uh, but mm -hmm. that's some people that aren't really thinking about when they're, you know, trying to just share their life. They're, accidentally sharing this like personal identifiable information. Right. So, right. um, so what, let, let's talk about kind of best practices there. What, what kind of stuff should they keep 
um, private. Their full names, their address, what school they go to, phone numbers, all that sort of all that sort of stuff is personal private information. Kids don't need to be giving out that sort of information because as parents, they are under the age of 18. They can't sign legal documents. We will have to be involved in some way, shape or form. So tell them not to give out that sort of information with adults. Just understand that your information can be used. One piece of information here and there can be used to create a profile on you. As a matter of fact, data brokers are working, I swear, 24-7 trying to build these massive profiles on us to sell to other people so that, you know, we can get scammed or whatever it is. So understanding that, okay, I may have posted my, you know, email address here. Well, on LinkedIn, I'm sharing, you know, where I work. Um, and on Facebook, I'm sharing my hometown. So if I go to LinkedIn, and there's my personal email address and there's my hometown. Well, that's a whole lot of information that people can use to find me on Facebook. They can find me on Twitter. They can, you know, kind of narrow it down where I am. So you got to understand that the, the internet is 360 degrees and you can see one way and everybody else can see in the other way. So understanding that a little piece of information here and there is going to add up to something eventually. And that's hard. That's not really fair for us because we want to share who we are. We want to share, you know, why we're creative, what we love, what we don't like, that sorts of things. But when it comes to our personal information, that's just stuff that we have to keep, you know, off the internet, that sort of stuff. Like personally with a secure dad, I don't even share um, like the names of my, you know, the name of my son, my wife, my pets, those sorts of things, because that's just really private stuff that one, I just want to insulate my family from, but yeah. also because that information could be used against me and it could be used against them. And, and I don't want that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are there other like best practices um, that people can like adopt on their online accounts uh, that can help keep them a little bit more secure on that? Yeah. Um, any sort of um, I like to use and, and this is this is this is not an ad. I actually like to use <laughs> delete me, which yeah. deletes my uh, personal information from all of these data broker sites that I talked about. earlier. Yeah, I've seen you talk about that before. Right. And so um, data brokers will, you know, buy information from like our credit card company. Uh, I think some states DMV actually sells your information to data brokers as well. So your information is out there floating around. And so you can actually try to take some of that back by using a service like them. And, and I don't I really want to go further into that, but that's something that you can use to have on your side. You can also make sure that you have two-factor authentication set up. So in case you do, I, I've had this happen to me uh, not long ago. I got a you know an email saying that you know I was trying to change my Instagram password, mm -hmm. or it was came from a, a, a different device or something like that. I was like, well, no, that is not happening. Um, so those are the like setting up two-factor authentication. Um, getting a company that's going to help remove your information online is also going to be good. But I, I really think the best thing that we can do to to stay safe online is to be mentally sharp. Yeah. And that's not a service that we can sign up for. That's not, you know, something we can download to our computer. That's just us being vigilant. And at the end of the day, that's the greatest place to start. Yeah. And actually, so as you know, somebody coming from the corporate IT world, um, that's one thing that we promote a lot, like the weakest link in your mm, whole company is yes. the people. And so making sure that there's like security awareness training 
in the workplace um, is something that I've promoted for sure. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. like, so I kind of translate that into the home security awareness training for the home. (laughs) We really need to, you know, you should create a course for security awareness training for the home and, and sell that because I think it's so important for families to really um, grasp those concepts um, and just to be aware of the scams that are out there, because as you're more aware, then you are more vigilant. That's why I do the, is it legit? You know, so people are really critically thinking about that. Right. And you got to understand that, you know, you may think, you know, well, you know, I'm not an interesting person. I'm not a millionaire. Why would anybody ever want to target me? And the scammers work because they hit 10,000 people a day. And they only have to hit 15 or 16 to make more money to do it all over again tomorrow. So you're just kind of a part of this bigger scheme that's going on and don't really take it personally because it's not really meant to be personal. You're yeah. you're just a name on their list. You're a phone number, email address on their list. That's all it is. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that is one of the excuses I've hear the most like, oh, you know, who's going to attack me? Like I'm nobody. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, they're not trying to specifically attack you. They don't care who you are. You know, they've got a whole company of people trying to attack, you know, and they've got, you know, programs and things on their side to, you know, do it at scale. Um, even with social engineering, you know, where they're really highly targeting somebody, um, it's not that they are targeting you. They just were able to find information about you that they could right. use. Right. Yeah. You just happen to have the most information out there. So you were the easiest target. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, no, they don't care about you. You are right about mm-hmm. that. But <laughs> Um, so let's talk more about, I mean, we've already touched on it a little bit, but social engineering. So what else Mm -hmm. like are people using social engineering? Um, how are they applying that to attack you? Sure. So, you know, kind of like how we started the, the best scams work because they make the most sense. And so somebody, if somebody is like genuinely targeting, you know, me, for example, because they want to take over like the securedad.com, that sorts of thing. They're going to look at, you know, what I'm doing on social media. They're going to look at um, what I like to do, what I talk about. They're going to look at, you know, what's on my shelf over here to try to understand a little bit more about me, that sort of thing, because they are going to try to create a profile for their scam that seems like something that I would want to be involved in. And that's social engineering is using all these different elements to get somebody to go along with whatever your scam is. So um, those are that's why I really have to be vigilant about those sorts of things and why I encourage everybody else to be vigilant about those sorts of things. This person works at this bank. They're, they're the stepping stone to where we need to get to. Mm-hmm. So how do we get to this person? There's actually um, a really good social engineering example from a few years ago where I think like, a huge amount of information was stolen from Sony pictures because a particular group went into LinkedIn and they found like an entire department for Sony and they used each other's emails against each other and all the names that were connected and ended up with like a couple hundred gigs of information uh, from Sony pictures a few years ago because they were all pretending to be somebody else. And it just seemed like it was normal. You don't think, a lot of people, they pick up the phone and they hear this, you know, 
somebody calling in a scam call and they say, oh, this is somebody calling from Windows. We know that your computer is messed up. Yeah. Well, OK, I don't have a Windows computer. Also, Windows is the name of the operating system. It's Microsoft. Those right. are the people that. So they think that these scams are going to be really simple and easy. Some of them are, but some yeah. of them are going to use a very high level sophistication to try to get information from you. Maybe you're the in target or maybe you're just that stepping stone to somebody else. So think about your profession and how that can kind of be used against you. What people can just assume, you know, based on what your job is. And they can build a whole profile to social engineer you to get you to do whatever it is they want you to do. Yeah, absolutely. And once they have that that foot in the door, like you're saying, you know, they can use everybody kind of against each other where it's like, oh, you know, with those gift card emails, like, hey, I, you know, I am so-and-so your boss. I already talked to Jennifer, your uh -huh. co co-worker, you know, so they're name dropping yep. these other people that you definitely work with and, you know, really brings the legitimacy to it, you know. Right. And you want level. that promotion better than this fictitious <laughs> Jennifer. So, yeah. or the real Jennifer. So you're going to like do whatever it is. Oh no, she's not taking this from me. Right. And so they get your ego engaged too. That's another way to do it. So, yeah. 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 And, and like you said, when they get that foot in the door with like one department, then it's easier to kind of perpetrate into like higher level security, you know, and, and go up the chain that way. So mm -hmm. yeah, super, um, Super interesting. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention about that, when you're talking about how they're calling you based on things um, we were just talking about before uh, the show started, that uh, about trademark. Mm -hmm. And I got a phone call from, and it looked legitimate, uh, from like the U.S. trademark organization. And, you know, and I'm talking like, you know, they're asking me these questions about my application. And I'm like, the whole time I was like, this doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And it was just, you know, but they had a, a lot of information. But then like some of the questions they're asking me, I'm like, I'm like, you don't need to know that. Like, right. why, why are you asking me that? That's yes. like, that has nothing to do with what we're, what we're trying to accomplish here. And mm -hmm. so like making sure you're like, why would you need that information for right. what we're doing here um, right. is another critical question. I think um, you should ask yourself. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, why does this person want anything from me? You know, I'm automatically going to be skeptical of that, but you know yeah. what a lot of people don't realize about that particular process is it's all open and out there. This is a lot of, right. there's just a lot of free open source information about us that's out there that can be used against us to make things look legitimate. Yeah, for sure. Um, another like legitimacy um, thing I think that we're running into now, because um, a lot of times it's so easy to spot an email scam where there's punctuation and grammar mistakes and things right, like that. Right. But like with ChatGPT and things like AI making mm -hmm. that so much um, so much better. What are your thoughts on on that and how that's kind of going into scams? <sighs> Yeah, that's we could spend an hour just talking about how AI <laughs> is going to 
make things harder for for good people like us. But yeah, because it was always this kind of cliche, you know, um, whatever scam email you're going to get is going to come from another country and it's going to have bad grammar and the punctuation is going to be bad. So that's how you know it's a scam. That right. was legitimate. What I learned, you know, working at a Fortune 500 company yeah. was like, hey, this this is how bad it's going to look. And I was like, OK, cool. Well, this should be completely easy to see. But now that we have chat GPT, now that we have all of these other things, you know, they can just kind of plug in, you know, write me a, an email about this to sounds professional or something that sounds friendly. And the, you know, AI is going to just generate this stuff for them and they don't have to worry about the punctuation. They don't have to worry about the spelling. It's all going to be done for them. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it just kind of goes back to this whole mental awareness that we had of what does this person want for me? Am I comfortable giving out that sort of information? Does this go against like my personal boundaries of information sharing? And that's going to be something that you can always keep. That's going to be something that's always going to be in your mind, in your realm of thinking. So um, really, it's 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 going to be left up to us. And I, and I will say that, you know, smart people like us make, you know, the wrong decision every once in a while. We get tired. We get, you know, upset. We're not thinking in, a, in our right mind. So I will say probably what you need to do for many other reasons is don't check your email after 9 p.m. Like Smart. if you are tired and you are worn out, that's not the time to check your email because, you know, Murphy's Law here is going to be that's that's how they get me is because I'm going to be half awake or I'm going to be tired from, you know, playing outside with my kid in 95 degree heat and I'm not going to be thinking properly and I'm going to click the wrong link. So like, you know, just put yourself, you know, set yourself up for success mentally and physically. Don't check that email after nine o'clock. Make sure that you're thinking clearly about stuff. And if you do and if something looks weird, you know, just mark it as unread and leave it. Don't mm -hmm. click on any of the stuff. Just say, I'm going to come back to this when I feel like I can give it my full attention. And yeah. that will probably save you a lot. Yeah, that's a really great point. Like when I am tired, I exactly right. I'm I'm not thinking properly and, you know, you'll be more susceptible. And so uh, the comments on that viral reel that I did, a lot of them were like, you know, I was dealing with, you know, uh, my dad's right. funeral. Like I, I had other stuff going on in my life <laughs> and I wasn't really paying attention to what was being asked of me and that's how they got me. Um, right. and so I think exactly what you're saying, like anytime you're like, huh, is this like something like, you know, the, when the little hairs on the back of your neck stand up and you're like, Hmm, mm -hmm. like maybe pin up, put a pin in that until you right. can like really think about it. Right. You, um, you, you talked about, you know, dealing with a, with a funeral. There is a, a really old, um, it's not really a scam. It's really more of a crime that when, um, you know, somebody dies their you know, funeral information is posted in the newspaper. It's posted somewhere. So, you know, when people are distracted and they are going to the funeral of a loved one, Everybody knows that they're going to be at that church and they're going to be dealing with that funeral. So their home is left wide open. And so I can't tell you it, it's horrible, but people's homes get robbed when they're at the, you know, the funeral of their mom, their dad, their husband, their wife, whatever it is. I've actually been asked to go and sit and watch houses um, during times of funerals to make sure that everything was OK. So that, you know, predates technology. That yeah. sort of stuff has been out there. That same type of scam lives on it's going to live on in digital it's going to live on wherever so you got to understand that 
these are just humans trying to take things that you have. It's humans hurting other humans. The technology doesn't always matter. So it's it's good to understand it at a very basic level because no matter how sophisticated it gets, it all still comes back to those same core things. Yeah, well, and I love that you brought that up because that can absolutely still be perpetrated with technology because people are posting on Facebook, you know, and they'll maybe make it a public post. Hey, you know, dad died. The funeral is going to be here at this time. Like I've, I've seen those posts a whole bunch of times and you're exactly right. That's leaving their homes like wide open during that time frame. Or, you know, you can see the people who are going, coming in from out of town, like, oh, I know they're like cousin. Uh Okay. They're going to be gone for, you know, a few days. Um, because they're going to be attending this funeral that's in another state. Um, but that, that's something that, you know, like I say, we're sharing Mm -hmm. without really thinking about the implications of sharing that information. Right. Of course you want to, you want people to understand that your loved one has passed. And if they want to come and pay their respects, that's something, or at least just let them know that this person has, has moved on that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, that is that is a the core of open source intelligence and that's all that stuff that's out there that can be used against us. Yeah. Um, another thing that I, I, we haven't mentioned here is like when I'm on vacation, I mm-hmm. don't post anything that I'm on vacation until Good. I am back from vacation. <laughs> so I'm like, Hey, we're all here in Florida. Our home's totally wide open. <laughs> Go yeah, check it out. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I actually, I went to Disney a couple of years ago and I started sharing pictures like weeks after I got back. Right. And I got this message from, a you know, um, somebody who followed me, like, how dare you post this picture? You talk about not sharing, you know, pictures while you're on, on vacation and stuff. And I'm like, dude, I'm sitting in my house right, right. now. This is three weeks <laughs> ago. But he had just weeks. assumed <laughs> that I was sharing it in real time because that's yeah. kind of the public perception that, oh, this is where Andy is right now. He's standing here with Kylo Ren and Star Wars world, you know, (laughs) that sort of thing. So yeah, there's, um, you definitely want to make sure that, especially since we're we're in the middle of summer right now, if you're going to go on vacation, um, don't share pictures publicly on social media. My suggestion always is have a text group of people Though, like, as a matter of fact, on that same Disney trip, um, I started texting my mom and dad like every day at lunch. I was like, hey, this is what we've done. These are our fun pictures. So that gave me that sense of being able to share and bring them in on it and feel good about it. But also know that it wasn't online. And of course, my my family knew that they were not to share these pictures publicly either. So that was just a good way to kind of handle that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because then you're still like, and then you can take those texts and like repeat that like for social media, you know, after yeah. you've returned, you know, cause sometimes, you know, I, I come home and I'm like, I don't remember what we did, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I can go back and look at those that I shared in real time and then, mm-hmm. you know, share that, uh, at a later date. So yeah, yep. totally love that. Um, I I did want to talk about another scam that I've been seeing, um, especially with YouTube channels. um, Mm. And because it really surprised me that one of the YouTube channels that I totally follow is Linus Tech Tips and Mm -hmm. Linus Tech Tips got hacked. And I'm like, I'm like a tech channel that got hacked. I'm like, I have to know exactly what happened here. 
And what happened, he, you know, they have two-factor authentication, they have all the things. And what happened is they got an email like that looked like somebody wanted to sponsor some content on their video. Mm-hmm. And um, and they downloaded like a contract and the contract PDF basically took all of like, you know, so if I'm on my computer and I'm logging into YouTube, I'm automatically logged in. I'm here. I'm there. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have to put in my credentials. And what this program that was embedded in the PDF did was take those tokens that are embedded in the browser that you have and allowed them to copy that information. So they didn't have to even have the password. They didn't have to use the two-factor authentication. They were just in. Um, And so like, do you want to talk about something like that? Well, no, I mean, I think you've got it. Well, it was a big learning curve for me to understand that PDFs could be weaponized against you. I didn't think that that was possible. Um, and so pictures can also do the same, any sort of attachments. Uh, there are actually some that are super complicated. If you open an email, Mm -hmm. uh, they've got you, but that's, that's high end stuff. But yeah, no, you're, what you're saying is that they, they clicked on it and all the stuff from their browser was, was immediately taken and, and they were able to have their, their site taken over in that particular case. I would say for me, if I got somebody who wanted to sponsor my show and they went ahead and sent me a contract, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even entertain it. I would say, who are you? What do we want to talk about? Because I don't know if you're right for my audience, you know, because right. I'm very protective, just like you are, Same. of your audience. You, you, like these people, you know, trust us. So we need to make sure that, you know, anybody who comes on this show is going to be a good quality person. But yeah, you know, any of those attachments, it's, it's a lot of times it's things that you just can't even think of. Like, yeah. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to weaponize a PDF like that. That's right. beyond anything I know how to do. But, you know, just know that it can happen. Learn from, you know, you see that in the news, you got to learn from it and take that into your own personal life and, and say, well, I might not be the, the shiniest target out there, but I might be somebody else's stepping stone to get there. So I need to be vigilant for me and my family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with those like weaponized attachments too. So, you know, a lot of these invoices that our people are are getting in is usually like an attachment like, oh, hey, thanks for your purchase, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a PDF attachment, you know, and the email doesn't have a lot of details. So you're like, what, what invoice mm-hmm. is this, you know, and so you want to open it. But, um, but yeah, those, those PDFs can be super dangerous. So definitely don't open the attachment, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, kind of vet that before. Um, but you're talking about like the 20 minutes you spent trying to vet this email. Um, and there, you know, in, in it, you've got this like curve where it's, um, uh, security versus convenience. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, if it's like really inconvenient, it's probably really secure, but, uh, you know, the, like, so the more secure you get, the less, it, the less convenient you get. Exactly. You know? so, when you're talking about like 2FA, you know, yes, it's a pain and I have to pull up my authenticator codes and, and everything. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I tweeted yesterday. It was like, man, I understand. I see the value in two-factor authentication, but man, is it annoying. Yeah. But yeah, it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it though. Yeah. And, uh, I, I will say again from the IT world, um, the worst offenders of like not of pushing back against like having two factor authentication were like the CEOs of the companies that we were working <laughs> with. Um, uh-huh. 
And so it was, you know, like, they're like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm like, really? Like, cause this is like your entire business. Yeah. Your entire life's work here could be taken away in the email. I think I would, I think I would uh, be careful about that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, um, but with two-factor authentication, um, I want to mention there was a lot of, um, uh, hubbub, I guess, Mm -hmm. about like, um, security cameras getting hacked. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, let's touch really quickly on kind of how those, you know, kind of came about and, you know, sure. Like the big thing was like, people were like, people are talking to my kids through the security cameras. Yeah. And the, yeah. 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 There was a case in Tennessee where a guy got in and was talking to a young lady and she's like, who are you? What's going on? And the guy's like, I'm Santa Claus. And it was, it was, it was really weird. In this particular case, uh, nest cameras uh, were, were supposedly hacked. They actually technically weren't because people didn't change their passwords. <laughs> so uh, Nest is owned by Google. And mm-hmm. so there's a whole you know, like data breach from somewhere where everybody's, you know, Google email or Google password was somehow um, doxed in, in this breach. So people just went in and started going through the Nest stuff. Not only are they getting your email or their calendar, they can also get to your uh, your home security cameras. So that's what was happening. It was really just almost this, Hey, let's all just cross-reference these email addresses and these passwords. And let's see if they opened up this nest stuff. And sure enough, for thousands of people, that's what the case was. So it wasn't necessarily anything that Google did. It was people weren't, uh, using different passwords or using different email addresses. You know, I think it comes back to don't put all your eggs in one basket. I have a lot of my stuff segmented out. So if one thing goes down, it does not affect this. Or if this goes down, it does not affect that. Um, so that way, you know, you can just kind of have like a built-in, um, almost like blockchain of yeah. how you have things done so that if one of these companies has a big data breach, they're not going to get everything. So you can just make sure that you use different vendors, different vendors that you like, that your stuff works together. And that's a good way to kind of help with that. Another big tip that I have for people is I am not a fan of putting uh, security cameras inside of your home um, because that's that's really intimate. That's yeah. the sort of stuff that is really going to bother you. I, I think you should have security cameras on all the exterior uh, entrances to your home to cover people coming up to it and that sort of stuff. Cause that's how they get into your home for a robbery. But if it's that inside, like if it's your kid's bedroom or if it's your bedroom, like that's an intimate space and that's not where a camera. Yeah. That's not where a camera needs to be. Even if you're just monitoring your toddler sleeping at night, that sort of thing. Don't do that. In my opinion, just, just have the, uh, the old school, you know, baby monitor. That's usually enough. Uh, to help you go worked but for yeah, me just, when my kids were little <laughs> right. it worked in the you know the 80s and 90s it'll work today that sort of thing you know um yeah but yeah just keep just understand where you're putting uh these cameras in your home because they could you know inadvertently end up spying on you yeah yeah for sure um and like like you said it's not really they're not hacking necessarily your specific account or they're not Mm -hmm. hacking Google or anything like that. They Mm -hmm. are just, you know, try like I have a whole database of emails and passwords that match and I'm going to try it everywhere, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's why also you need to have strong, unique passwords. You don't repeat passwords, those sorts of things. I'm sure your audience knows not to do those things, but we'll just briefly mention (laughs) it. 
didn't mention it again. <laughs> like you said, with the toddler, uh, not the toddler, but like, you know, the yeah, kid, yeah, you got to have that conversation over and over again. Having that conversation, like, you know, get it through the brain. Um, you know, I think you have to hear something like three times before it really sinks in anyway. So <laughs> just mm-hmm. we'll, we'll keep harping on it. Um, right. But so the most secure password, like if, if you want to like have the same password for all your other accounts and it's a huge pain, what is the one password that you should have different from everything else? It's obvious that, you know, hackers are going to go for bank account numbers. It's probably going to be one of the ones that is most highly sought after. So it's going to have to have that, you know, really long, unique password or passphrase. It's a full sentence or, you know, you just copy, you know, a paragraph out of war and peace. And that's what your, what your password is now. Uh, that's a really good one. Uh, I'm going to disagree just slightly. I okay. think it's your email because your okay. email is basically your keys to the kingdom. I can hit a forgot true. password link Very true. on anything. If I'm an email, then I can get access to all the other accounts because I can that's do right. a forgot password. Right. And that's why a lot of people say, don't use your, you know, your email address as the two factor authentication, you know, make sure it's either going to be text or it's going to be uh, whether you have uh, a a third party app that has your, your codes on it, that sort of thing. But yeah, that's, that is good. Yeah. And that's actually a really good point. We're talking about um, with two factor authentication. um, What do you think is the best method of two factor authentication? You know, because there's several different ways. Yeah, there's actually, I don't know if I'm necessarily educated enough to say that. Um, so yeah, I know that I know for sure that email is probably not the best way to get that done. Yeah, so yeah, smart. whether or not if it's a third party app, there's a lot of people out there who are smarter than me that can help walk you through <laughs> that. Um, so yeah, so it, it's really just no, don't use email. That's that's the one yeah. that, you know, if anybody, like you just said, if somebody hacks the email, they've, they've got everything. So don't use that one. Right, right. Um, that's a like, and I hadn't actually thought about that um, in the two-factor authentication sense. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, but I would say definitely an authenticator app instead yeah. of like getting texts, because again, your text could be intercepted. So I would probably skip text codes and email codes and just go with an authenticator app, like you know Google Authenticator, totally free. Right. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's um, free to use. That's totally free to use. Right, right. It's a pain, we know, but... Oh, well, hey, uh, here's here's a funny story about that app. I got a new phone earlier this year, and I transferred everything from one iPhone to the other iPhone, and I deleted the old iPhone, and I didn't change any of my Google Authenticator app stuff over. Oh, and that no. was a huge mistake. Yeah. So if you get a new phone, make sure you transfer the Google Authenticator stuff over before you delete the old one. I literally have a real, I mean, and I made this maybe like two years ago, so I, I maybe need to share it again, but it was like the one thing you forget to do when you're getting a new phone is transfer your two of accounts. Yep. <laughs> yep. Learn from my mistake, y'all. Learn from my mistake. Because that is a huge pain to regain access to those accounts when you don't have access to those codes. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> Live and learn. Um, so to wrap up, what do you think if uh, what if person had time to just really only do one thing to help inoculate themselves from falling for any scam? Like what is the like one thing you would recommend? Sure. I would recommend that you be vigilant and question 
anytime anybody reaches out to you and wants something. Obviously, if it's your your brother or your sister, that's different. But somebody you don't know, a company that you barely do business with, somebody that says they know you on LinkedIn, that sort of thing, always question that. Because you can have all the great technology in the world, but if your brain isn't ready to defend yourself from this sort of stuff, it doesn't matter. You know what? And I'm going to add on to that, even if it is your brother or sister. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm assuming everybody has a good relationship with their brother and sister. So that is that is true. That is true. Well, but if they got hacked or something and it's coming from them, you know, or even it with through social engineering, I'm getting an email mm -hmm. from my brother saying, um, you know, I, I like to tell this story. My grandma got a phone call from my brother. Um, mm -hmm. who said he was like in an accident or in jail or something like yeah. that. And, yeah. you know, and my grandma was literally like walking out the door to like send sure. money to my yeah. brother who was in jail. Like, Hey grandma, this is like, you know, my brother's name. And, um, mm -hmm. so my, my grandma who, um, who was a judge, she's a commissioner. So she's a lawyer and a judge. So she's a smart lady. And, um, she calls my sister-in-law and is like, Hey, so how's everything going? Like, it didn't want to throw my brother under the bus. Right. Like, right. <laughs> like and tell his wife that he's in jail, but like wanted to like <laughs> check out like what was happening. And so mm -hmm. then my, my sister-in-law called my brother and was like, Hey, you might want to call your grandma because like, I just got a really weird phone call from her. And so my yep. brother called and they were able to determine, you know, he's not in jail. <laughs> right. Right. But so even if it is from your brother or from your grandson, you know, and if they're wanting something from you, question it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. I had um, two um, crisis managers come on my show to talk about virtual kidnappings and all that sorts of stuff. And it was fascinating. I had to really like reel myself in because I was like, okay, yeah. And how do they do that? And why do they do that? Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, if we did it this way, it would be even harder to do because I'm sometimes fascinated by like how much effort people put into these scams yeah. that it's just like, oh, I kind of have to, I have to cautiously admire their effort that they're putting out here. But yeah, those, those calls happen all the time. Um, usually with those, the crisis managers who I had on my show, they actually told me in their experience, just hang up because yeah. if it is legitimate, if you have somebody who has been kidnapped, they are going to call back. Right. So if it's, you know, if it, you get one of these calls, hang up, they probably won't call back that sort of thing. So chances are that these, these, these are, these things aren't real, that sort of stuff. But that was one of those situations where, you know, somebody, you know, panicked and they were given a short time frame to do something. And that matches that pattern of how these particular type of scams work. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Andy. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about or, um, uh... No, I mean, I've had I've had a, a really good time talking about this and a whole bunch of other stuff that we kind of meandered and caught along the way. And this is a lot of fun. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to totally check out that kidnapping episode because that's yes, fascinating. It is. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Family Tech Talk. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. I am family tech on all platforms and respond to all of my DMs. 
You can also become one of my techs by joining the Facebook group, our subreddit, or the Discord server. Just search any platform for Family Tech and you'll be sure to find the community.